think it's so important to us because I really think it's so important to Jesus. I think his heart burns for us to know the Father's love and how deep it is. And We can say that we're all God's creation, but we become his children when we put our faith and our trust in his son, Jesus. So to recognize the son, you have to recognize who the father is. And you have to recognize God as a father who begot an only son, sent him to rescue, restore, and redeem us. And that, that changes everything. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. One of the things I really enjoy about running this Christian Music Archive project is the opportunity to discover new artists. I've discovered artists in a number of different ways, picking up a record at a bookstore or hearing somebody on the radio. But sometimes one of my friends will say, hey, you've really got to check these guys out. And that's the case with my guests today. My friend Emily Cole at Turning Point Media suggested that I chat with Brian and Krista Yak. They are an up-and-coming husband and wife duo out of Nashville, better known as For the Fatherless. Now, first of all, the Yaks band name really intrigued me. Then, I listened to their new EP called Poetry, and I knew I needed to hear more. So today, I get to introduce you to For the Fatherless, and you'll get to hear the amazing story behind that name. Brian and Krista were on vacation with their family, but were kind enough to carve out a quiet spot in their home and share their story with us. So stick around to hear this great exchange. If you don't know by now, this podcast is part of a much bigger project called the Christian Music Archive. This is a website that, for the past 22 years or so, I've been documenting as many albums and artists as I can of people who sing Christian music. It has been my desire to remember all of these folks who have helped direct our musical expressions of faith. These men and women come from the past 50 plus years, so there's just a ton of information out there. For the first 20 years or so, I've funded this project all on my own. But quite frankly, this project has gotten a lot bigger than I can do all by myself. That's why I'm currently asking you to consider helping me raise the funds necessary to keep the Christian music history alive. It costs me about 260 bucks a month to just maintain the website and the podcast. And we have another major expense this year as we have to upgrade the current content management system that makes the website run. So if you are all passionate about Christian music, like I am, I'd invite you to prayerfully consider how you might be able to help. There's a couple of ways you can do that. First, you can join me at patreon.com. Here you can make monthly donation and receive some fun thank you gifts, things like submitting questions for interviews, early access to the podcast, and even a Patreon-only show called The Aftercast. And this month, I've just added the opportunity for you to guest host an episode with me and your favorite artist. You'll be able to ask your favorite artist questions directly rather than having me do it. 
If you don't need a reward for your contribution, you can still help out by sending a few shekels to me directly. All of the details for this fall fundraising drive are available on my website, thechristianmusicarchive.com slash donate. Or on any of the pages, at the top of the page, you can click the I Need Your Help banner, and this will take you to a page that describes exactly what's going on and what ways you can help by donating. Your gift ensures that these conversations keep going and that the website stays on the interwebs for other people to see. Thank you for visiting christianmusicarchive.com donate. I really appreciate your help. Brian and Christy Yak met in college as members of the same vocal jazz group. After spending some time together on a tour or two, they discovered that they had similar father stories. And, as they learned more about their earthly dads, they realized that their heavenly father would be able to fill some empty shoes left behind by their dads. And now that they've been married and are starting a family of their own, the fatherhood of God takes on a new meaning. So it's a real honor for me to introduce you to Brian and Krista from the band For the Fatherless. Welcome, you guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Dave. having us. <laughs> well, I, I thought it would be good for us to just kind of start out and uh, get to know you guys a little bit more. You're relatively new, uh, although you've been around for seven years, so that's not too new. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about how you guys met. I know you guys met at Belmont University. How Brian and I met is we were a part of the same vocal ensemble at Belmont. It was a jazz vocal ensemble called Jasmine. Okay. <laughs> Very romantic. Yeah. Um, a lot of scatting. A lot of scatting. No jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's how we met. And we didn't really talk that much for like the first year that we were in the group. But then the group did like a, a tour down to Texarkana and Texas and we just kind of started to talk a little bit more and get to know each other and eventually started dating. Um, the rest is history. Here we are now. <laughs> so, so, Brian, do you remember when you first went, oh, I got to get to know this Krista? What, what was yep. the what was the event that made that happen? It was on that tour. She was talking about we were, you know, it was one of those tours where we're all on a coach bus just kind of sitting in our seats. And next thing I know, there's this funny brown-eyed, brown-haired girl just cutting up in the middle of the aisle, making me laugh for this whole, you know, 10-hour day on the road when I was feeling <laughs> miserable. And the one thing keeping me going was her her jokes and just her spirit. And I was like, all right, we got to hang out some more. I need more of her in my life. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky to have a lot of her in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Krista, was, when was it for you that you said, oh, I've got to check this Brian guy out? You know, I think talking was really helpful. <laughs> Brian's kind of a quiet guy to start. Uh -huh. But once I kind of like we started having conversations, I just realized that like, he just has a really kind heart. Um, and I think that's what stood out to me was just like his kindness. And, and yeah, he's a really good songwriter, too. So I think his songs kind of <laughs> pulled me in a little bit. And it's, uh, why is it always the quiet ones that write the good songs? I know. Just, yeah. Stuck in our thoughts, yeah. I guess. I don't know. It, it pays off in some ways, I guess. Well, I was doing a little bit of stalking in preparing for you guys, uh, the interview, <laughs> and read, you guys just bought your first house. Yeah. We did. Yeah. That's a big yeah. step. That's kind of exciting. Pretty yeah. wild. We're, we're homeowners. We've been painting the past week mm -hmm. and uh, thinking about all the new house things that we're going to, a lot of trips to Lowe's and uh, just kind of <laughs> wearing ourselves down, getting ready to be homeowners and getting ready to move in next week. Yeah. 
Are you sure? Are your shoulders sore from painting up above your head? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a workout all its own. Yeah, <laughs> <Sure> <laughs> is. frequent flyers at Lowe's. I hear that one. Well, let's talk about you know you've just finished working on the house for the day. Um, maybe you've got somebody watching your son, and it's date night. What's the perfect meal going to be for you guys? Wow. Yeah. Well, we're actually excited to be moving down to a, a, a little town about 45 minutes south of Nashville called Columbia, Tennessee. And they've got this little place in their little, little place can only fit like four tables oh, wow. buck and board. And it's uh it's charcuterie boards. And then they'll make a mean sandwich for you. And uh, we'll, we'll go out there. And that's kind of like the, the new little local spot where we're going to live that we, we've really loved kind of, we've done a couple date nights before we even bought the house down there. And it was a, it was a selling point for sure to know that we had something like that in our backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little music and then we'll jump into and uh, start talking about uh, you guys as a band, but uh, you guys have the opportunity to share the stage with any artist past or present. Who would it wow. be? Any artist. Any artist. Wow. No genre <laughs> requirements, no time requirements. Wow. <laughs> Paul McCartney. Let's get Paul McCartney out there. I, I love Paul. Uh, I'm a bass player. I started out playing bass guitar. So something about that combination of a, a songwriter that can play on bass and sing a melody and a bass line, play a bass line at the same time. Yeah. I think I feel like I'd, you know, sharing the stage next to that, I'd, I'd be looking over my shoulder all night just trying to watch and see how he's doing what he's doing <laughs> one of those kinds of things i just it, obviously he's iconic but that that talent and just that ability would, would blow me away up close yeah yeah that would be awesome i think i actually would say um amanda cook oh. or amanda Lindsay cook yeah uh, she, she used to be with bethel and yep she she is just like her songs and her writing like i would just love to just like lead worship with her i know mm. it's not Maybe that's not sharing the stage, but like just to get to sing with someone. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be my dream. Yeah. So to get Paul to play bass for Amanda, and then you guys go on. Man, we'd have we'd have the perfect gig. That's a great we're plan. We're forming a super band here. This is uh, this is all coming together. Let's see how do we put that make that happen, right? Oh man, six degrees of separation. Yeah, <laughs> we can do it. We it's, can do it. It's not what you know; it's who you know, right? Yes. <laughs> Well, obviously, I, I introduced you as Krista and Brian, but your band is For the Fatherless. So let's talk a little bit about what prompted that name. That's a unique name. There was a period of time in Christian music where all bands were three names, Point of Grace, <laughs> Jars of oh, Clay. Wow. Now we've got yeah. For the Fatherless. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're, we're following in great tradition with, yeah. between those two names. That was great. Um when Krista and I, we mentioned kind of meeting at Belmont and, and loving music and loving songwriting. And, and we also loved uh, being worship leaders. And when we realized that, like, we wanted to share life together and share ministry together, um, started asking questions about what God had done in both of our stories that was consistent and something, you know, we could both speak to. And um, the first thing that was just a part of both our testimonies was losing our earthly fathers in really different ways. And even even in that, you know, we were, we were young at the time, but the way Krista talked about, you know, her relationship with her heavenly father was a lot of the same way I felt about my relationship with my heavenly father because hmm. of that, that loss of earthly fathers. So we just realized that that was a really consistent 
message that we could both stand behind. As long as God would bless us with a chance to share music together, we want to be faithful to share our stories and our songs in that in that context and in that light. And um, that was that was the beginning of For the Fatherless. And I kind of we we talked about doing it together for a long time. I was playing bass guitar for other artists um, on the road for some weekends, and that was kind of wearing us out. And that's when we started dreaming about you know, Lord, if you gave us a chance to share our story together, we, we would we'd call ourselves for the fatherless and we would we would stand behind kind of what you've done in our in our lives and in our stories as our, our Heavenly Father making up for that loss. So it's been it's been a great way to grow together as even, you know, we started we were dating when we started talking mm-hmm. about that. That dream, you know, was kinda of on the horizon. And it's been incredible just as we've as we've walked through different seasons in life to see how God has blessed that and how He's continued to grow. Um, what we've had to share and how that story has kind of continued to just impact what we what we have to say to people in songs and, and how we minister together. So, well, let's let's dive into that a little bit more. Let's talk about each of your father's stories because they're very different but they're similar. And then that's going to come into a question that I have in a little bit about your relationship with Jesus because I think that's a key mm-hmm. element. So, yeah. Krista, why don't you start? Sure. How did you become fatherless? So I, I was raised in a Christian home. So yes, my dad is a big part of my relationship with Jesus, for sure. Um, my dad was actually a worship leader and a musician as well. Um, and when I was seven years old, um, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor mm. and passed away just like a month after his diagnosis. Wow. It, was, it was really quick. Um, and my mom, you know, never remarried. She kind of just focused on, I, I have a little sister. She was one and a half uh, at the time uh, that my dad died. And so she kind of just focused on raising us. And so, you know, I grew up most of my life without a dad in the picture. Um, and so that's that's my story of just being fatherless. And that has, you know, it still is an emptiness and an ache that I feel to this day, like, you know, knowing that my dad is never going to get to meet Brian mm-hmm. on this side of heaven. And, and same for like our son, Jonathan, like the, it just, it, that ache never goes away. Um, and so just, yeah, that, that loss is a huge part of, of my story. Yeah. So, so did the, the fact that you had, it sounds like you had a good relationship with dad. Did yeah. that make it easier or harder for you to see God as the father? I think probably easier for me if I'm being totally honest, Um, because I think, you know, I longed for the love of a father and I knew it for a very brief, you know, I, I only remember so much of my relationship with my dad, but I know that he was a great dad and he loved me and he was there. And um, so I think for me, like it's, it's just been a really natural like way to think about God as a father because he just comes in and he fills that void completely for me, you know? And so I think for me, it's it's just been a really healing kind of easy thing. I know that's not true for everyone and everyone's story is different, but for me, it's been, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, talking about everybody's story is different. Brian, you have a yeah. different take on that situation. Yeah, um, and I've kind of, I feel like I've seen a couple different sides of, of fatherlessness in the sense that um, I'm, I was, born to um, a biological father who was addicted to drugs and alcohol and uh, left um, shortly after I was born. And it actually was discovered he'd been unfaithful to my mom while I was in utero. So their divorce and his subsequent like leaving was 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 necessary in a sense that, that their marriage was was over. Um, yeah. And and I 
um, you know, never would have understood that growing up. And, and then even at three years old, I was adopted by a man who could have just been my stepfather, but he adopted me. And at three years old, I, I tell everybody, you know, I, I couldn't even pronounce adoption. My grandma used to tell me I ran around telling everybody it was my adoption day. And um, just <laughs> she thought it was the cutest thing to remind me of how I told the judge it was my adoption day. But, um, you know, so I grew up in a awesome family and and i had a you know an older brother and older sister from my dad's first marriage and then my dad married my mom and had a younger brother and a younger sister for me and uh just in a loving home surrounded by siblings um and and i've kind of just felt it wasn't until i was 24 and i was getting ready to propose to krista that i started thinking about what had really gone on in my mom's first marriage and, and who my biological father was and what had gone so wrong in his life and in his story that he would abandon me mm. and um, and be unfaithful to my mom. So we kind of started processing that together. Actually looked looked up his name, Googled him, and, and didn't find anything. And we added the word mugshot to the search engine, and we found a, an arrest record. From oh wow! Marion County, Florida, and that was the first picture I'd ever seen of him. And um, ended up, like I said earlier, was playing bass guitar for for a worship leader at the time that was going down to Jacksonville, Florida about two weeks after we found that. So I had a last known phone number, a last known address. And I called that number uh, in the stairwell of a Baptist church where we were playing a youth camp and heard his voice on the phone for the first time. And uh, we met at a Chili's for lunch that weekend. (laughs) And um, I've just seen in a sense, almost like an example of two fathers in my life. Mm. And and, and one who, who chose to I chose the wrong path, you know, to put it bluntly. And, yeah. and, and I've known how that affected me and how that affected my mom. And then I've known the love of a father who chose the right path and stepped into the yeah. gap and, and was here for me. was here for my mom. And um, my heart just, you know, I, like Krista said, I know that's not everybody's story. But having been given so much um, in, in my life and in my, in my childhood especially, I just, I can't help but just want to encourage and, and, and bless anyone who's, who's only known the side of the, the coin of, of, of being abandoned and who's only ever known um, just that loss. It's, it's yeah. terrible for me to think of that. Well, and even in your looking back on your stories, they're still very different because Krista, you didn't have a replacement dad and Brian, you mm-hmm. did, who happened to turn out to be a really great guy. Yeah. Do you think that that experience being so different, but is it the same? I mean, you know, I'm I'm interested in these questions. We never knew my grandfather because my grandfather, similar to what you uh, shared, Brian, he left when my dad was, I mean, before maybe even he was born kind of like you. And and that's just been kind of a hole that we've never known. So it's interesting to think about because growing up, our experience with fathers, I think, really does color how we see our heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And so the piece of not having anybody fill that void. So Krista, it sounded like you really relied on Jesus to fill that void. And then Brian, mm-hmm. you had a very good example of what a loving father would be. How did that, how did that color your view of Jesus as a heavenly father? Yeah, I, man, that's such a great question. Uh, and I think I, I resonate a lot with what you just said in the sense of there, there's a hole and there's a, you feel a void and that, that void really represents a longing i think that we all share and that we've all known at one point or another where i long for um 
I, honestly, my longing looks like in my story sometimes. I, I just wish I could close my eyes and say that my adoptive dad is 100% my biological mm-hmm. dad. Like, I, yeah. he was the best man at my wedding. Um, I love him so much and, and you know, would, would do anything for him. And I, I wish, like, I could just almost turn a blind eye to the, the, <laughs> the uglier part of my story yeah. and just kind of forget all that. And that, that longing is just like, it's because I long for the perfection of a heavenly father and, and I long for the story to be, you know, to be perfect like he is. Mm. And I think that, I think that is, that is a huge part of like the circumstances of all our stories are different, but the character of our heavenly father is the same. And his character is what satisfies those longings. Like when, when we know him in intimate relationship, that's where I think like, like Christopher was saying, all those, all those longings are, are most satisfied that to me is where the the kind of experience i've had with my earthly father and with my biological father and and just all of that kind of meets my relationship with my heavenly father in the sense of like lord thank you you know for satisfying these longings for being being who you are and even though i i I wish you know I, i had different relationships here on earth lord thank you for being who you are and thank you for being who you are to me yeah. Yeah, I think Brian's stepdad, it's weird to call him his stepdad because to us, like he's dad to both of us, right. you know? Yeah. It's he is a he's such a beautiful glimpse of the perfect the perfect parenthood of God. Mm-hmm. Like even honestly, we are actually like with Brian's family right now. We're mm. on like a family vacation oh. <laughs> in North Carolina. Uh we're just like sitting in this beach house talking to you tonight. Um, but I had a moment today, even standing at the beach, like literally earlier today where, you know, Brian's dad was holding our son. We have a 20 month old Mm -hmm. son. And I just thought to myself, our son would not have a grandfather if it wasn't for him. Yeah. So to see a glimpse of the way that he stepped into such a mess really, Mm. and just like brokenness. And obviously it very much affected Brian's story, but now it's affecting my story too, where like I actually have a father figure because of my stepfather and my son has a grandfather like that. When you see the ripple effect of all of that, that's amazing. But it's just a glimpse of like how perfectly Jesus fills every single part of that, you know, like somehow Jesus stepping in for all of us is even more beautiful than that is. And that's hard Mm -hmm. to, that's hard to imagine when you're walking down, you're walking down the beach and your 20 month old sees his grandpa from 50 yards away and starts yelling (laughs) Nampa, Nampa, Nampa and starts running, running to his arms. Like it's such a beautiful moment, but like Jesus stepping in for us is, is somehow even more beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, and we'll know that when we get to the other side. But man, mm-hmm. even even now, like it just it just stirs something in me that long. And we were talking about just man, it comes yeah. alive. Yeah. So obviously, this is an important enough topic for you that you have dedicated your band, your music, to telling people the importance of the Father. And mm-hmm. I find it interesting timing. So I don't know if you are aware of the Kendrick Brothers, the movie makers. They did War Room and some of these other things. Um, They have a movie coming out. It's being released in September called Show Me the Father, which is all about Mm -hmm. the importance of a father figure and how the father is going to tie into that. And and, um, uh, I got to interview the director of that program. But anyway, why is it so important for you two to look at Jesus or God as your heavenly father? Why not just say he's a big God? I think that just 
it shows us the intimacy of our God, like what he longs for with us. Like when you look at Jesus' life, you see this intimacy with the Father. You know, he's always, when he prays, it's he's referring to the Father. Even when, when the Lord, when he teaches us how to pray, when he tells the disciples how to pray, he starts with our Father. Like, yeah. And so, you know, and there's, there's a passage of scripture in John 17 that um, it's when Jesus is praying before he's going to be arrested to go to the cross. And he prays, you know, he prays for himself. He prays for the disciples. Then he prays for all, all who will believe. Mm-hmm. And in this prayer, you know, he prays for unity, but he prays that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. To me, that shows I was just reading. I, I don't know if you've, you probably have read like Brennan Manning books. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> he's like my favorite. I was like, I'm sure you've read this, like this all the books. This little guy we found in the bookstore. He's yeah, really, just this he's little really good. Guy. I don't know where he came from. But you know, he talks so much about this, this love, this furious love of the, of the father. And he actually shared that passage in the chapter that I just read. And just like, it's, it's not just like a, like it, it seems too good to be true, but what Jesus is actually praying is that we would understand that the Father loves us mm-hmm. as much as He loves Jesus. Yeah, you know, and that's what we see in the Gospel when we see the Father sent His Son because He wanted all of us to be sons and daughters. So yeah. I think it's so important to us because I really think it's so important to Jesus. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think His heart burns for us to know like the Father's love and how deep. It is, and you know, and uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, for me, like adding to what Krista said, you know, we can say that we're all God's creation, mm-hmm. um, but we become His children when we put our faith and our trust in His Son Jesus. So to recognize the Son, you have to recognize who the Father is, and you have to recognize God as a Father who begot an only Son, sent Him to re- rescue, restore, and redeem us, and that that changes everything. If you're walking around this life just as a creation. You know that is almost demeaning you know and it's almost deta- there's detachment in it and i just even that language just feels kind of like you're an alien you know and you're disconnected and to be a child um you need to believe that god is a father who begot a son and, and you put your faith and your trust in him yeah i was just trying to look up the scripture and i'm i'm so terrible with names on the spot but there's there's the story of the guy who took his son and god said take your son and take the firewood and we'll find a lamb abraham well, abraham yeah thank abraham you abraham, isaac. abraham and yeah. isaac duh yeah. it's only one of the biggest stories <laughs> but but the whole thing the whole picture of abraham being willing to sacrifice his son and being obedient in that and then laying on top of that the picture that god provided a way out and looking at God the Father as sending his son to be the sacrifice, except this time it really happened. And mm-hmm. it was because he wanted to adopt us. He wanted us to be part of his family so much mm-hmm. that he took his only heir and was willing to kill him. Now, he knew the end of the story that he had power to raise him, all that stuff. But but still, the the look of that father, especially for people who don't understand what a loving father is, Mm-hmm. And and how do we how do we encourage people to do that? And I think part of the way you guys are doing that is through your music, is you're mm-hmm. sharing the way you've seen God in music in some very very beautiful ways. And and that kind of takes me to your album, mm-hmm. the poetry EP, which for me was a very fun kind of it's four songs, 
but it it real real quickly demonstrates a whole lot of who God is, mm-hmm. both as a creator of us, as a lover of us, and somebody who'll never abandon us. So I kind of teased poetry. That was the first song I heard of your guys, and I absolutely loved that imagery. Talk a little bit about how that song represents your relationship with God. So poetry was inspired by Ephesians 2.10, the verse that says that we are God's uh, handiwork. And Brian was reading that verse, and at the there was a little footnote in his Bible, and it just kind of let him know that the word that handiwork comes from is the word poema, which mm. is the Greek word that we get our word poem from. And so that's kind of what started the idea of the song um, poetry. And, you know, just this just this question of what, what would it look like if, if we saw our lives as poetry and mm-hmm. we saw God as the great poet. And, you know, even when we've been talking about our stories of, of fatherlessness, you know, there are parts of that story that I don't fully understand. There, there are parts of that story that I wish I could re- rewrite. Like mm. if I could go back and rewrite it and have my dad still be here, yeah, I probably would, yeah. but that's not my story. But the story is not over yet. And so I know that God is with me and he is writing it and it's, it's, it's going to be something beautiful. There are times when I fight to say it is well And I can't find a way to steady myself But you search me and you know me How gracious, how loving You're reminding me song for me speaks a lot to just like acceptance in the sense that one of the things that I love about reading poetry is even if I don't make sense of the poem the first time there's (laughs) there's enough beauty in it and there's enough peace in it and it doesn't seem like it even has an agenda you know Mm, (laughs) and you don't read it like you read a a presentation or or a paragraph or something you know like a a memo or an essay It, it reads just more peaceful more more gentle and there's acceptance in that 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 helps me Kind of like Krista said, the parts of my story I wish I could change, I kind of get more comfortable with on the other side of thinking about them as as, as beautiful poetry because there's mm-hmm. there's definitely you know, enough beauty for me to sit with the poem and mm-hmm. sit with the story as it's written by God and trust it and accept it and, and just kind of live in it. And that's, when I think about being his poetry, that's that's where I'm coming from. The next one is Never a Day, and I love the image because now, okay, God has created us, and now he's saying, I'm going to be there, period. I made you so that I can enjoy your presence and enjoy the relationship with you. At least that's how I read it. Um, Talk a little bit about Never a Day. Never a Day is actually kind of born out of a meditation that I love to do, and it's it's a meditation that I'm I'm normally commit to if I'm feeling stressed or scared or like... I don't know what's coming next. And I start asking that question. You know, if I'm, if I'm living in that question too much, I, I make myself do this this meditation. And it's it always starts just going out for a walk. And I imagine that on this walk, um, all I can see in front of me is the train of a beautiful robe 
and then the rope kind of disappears in mist or fog and I can't see the rest. And I just kind of walk for a while and I imagine um, just the train of Jesus robe kind of right at my feet. That's all I see. And I keep walking about, you know, five minutes or so. I imagine I can see more of his back and, and the robe is kind of filling out in, you know, more of a beautiful pattern and, and more, more beauty than um, I could ever imagine. And I keep walking, I keep following him another five minutes. And I imagine now I can see his shoulders, you know, the shoulders on top of the back of his robe and on top of the train of his robe and I'm getting closer. Normally, like I feel myself, even on this meditation, I'll start walking faster <laughs> just because I'm, because I start thinking like I'm getting closer to Jesus, man, this is, this is beautiful. And even like when I picture his shoulders, I picture maybe what he could be carrying for me into this, into this fog, into this mist with all the fear I'm feeling. What, what is he wanting to carry ahead of me? One foot in front of the train of your robe one foot in front of the other I follow wherever you go one foot in front of the other this I've seen this I know there's never a day that you're not faithful And then after a while, I, I keep going a couple more minutes and I imagine that I can see his crown and I can the, the reflection, the light kind of piercing the darkness in his crown, um, see the rubies and the gems in it. And I can see the scepter in front of him he's kind of, as he's walking and leading me in it. There's this, this peace in just remembering, even though I'm walking into fog and I'm walking into mist and I'm walking into the unknown, I'm, I'm still following Jesus into it. And I'm not just kind of wandering off into it, you know, to, to be lost or to be uh, disappointed or discouraged. Like I'm, I'm following Jesus into um, anything difficult that I face. And that, that meditation has helped me put one foot in front of the other and has helped me just kind of walk away from different questions and different circumstances and say, okay, what's the next right step that Jesus would have me take by faith? And um, kind of one of those songs that just kind of falls out of you that you don't have to work very hard to write. Um, because that experience has been so powerful at different times that um, the song just wrote itself afterwards. <laughs> well, Brian, as you were sharing that, I was thinking of Jesus in the crowd when the woman who had the, the blood condition just touched the hem of his robe. And not only are you following and seeing the great grandeur of the king, but yeah. he turns around and says, oh, you're here, and I want to work yeah. with you. What a beautiful picture. Even in that story where he says, who touched me? Yeah. You know, he, he wants to know. And he already knows, obviously, he's Jesus. Yeah. He is, you know, he knows who touched him, but he wants to dignify that person and say, hey, who pushed you this crowd? And, you know, who, who reached out for me? Mm -hmm. That's that's always been so powerful to me. Yeah. 
Well, and then Faithfully Mine, to me, sounds like a tender ballad of God looking at us as his little child. Maybe I could picture, Krista, you holding Jonathan, maybe after a rough day for Jonathan, and how God would look at us in that same way of saying, you're mine, I got you. Yeah, and I, you know, I actually didn't even write on that one. Brian wrote that with a friend from Buffalo, New York. Um, but that song, I mean, when he played that song for me for the first time, I was like, there's something special about that song because I do think it's like when I was talking about John 17, we have like this thing in us where it's like, oh, that's just too good to be true. Like that can't, that can't be it. I think that, you know, like that song, it really is like you're saying, almost like a lullaby that like the father is singing over us. I really believe that if we could hear, you know, half of of what the father has to say about us, it would be something like that. It wouldn't be, you know, all everything that we're afraid of. It would, it would just be, just come be with me. I just want to be with you. I already, I covered all that. Like, you're, you know, and, and I just want to be with you. And Won't you take my hand? Let me lead you to a place where you'll find rest. I know what you need. Let me take away those burdens from your chest. I know you're tired. It's between.
defenses coming out my heart. There's no secrets between us. There's no fault here to find. I am faithfully yours. Be faithfully mine. So for me, that song, when Brian wrote it, you know, Jonathan, our son, was like a few months old. The pandemic was starting like yeah. the world just felt so unfamiliar to me like just everything about my life i was like what is happening yeah what's yeah. happening in the world and like what's happening to me because i was still like postpartum and um and you know i didn't really know i feel like i almost like forgot how to come to god for a while mm. um some of that was because i just didn't have time and i was not sleeping and i was with a newborn all day but some of that was also like, I just felt like such a mess that I just mm. didn't know how to come to him anymore. Mm. And when I heard that song, Faithfully Mine, it just made me realize like, I don't need to, I don't need to clean myself up. Like God mm. already sees like, you know, the postpartum depression or the anxiety or just all of that. Like he doesn't want me to clean myself up. He just wants me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of the most beautiful moments that I've had in God's presence have been praying with Jonathan before he takes a nap, you know, when it's a hard day and just saying Jesus, because Mm -hmm. that's all I can say. And he meets me there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think this song is just, we hope that it kind of helps people realize like, you don't really have to do much for God to meet you because he's already there. Like we just need to just become aware of the presence that is, always surrounding us and inviting us and pursuing us well and then if you tie that back to the poetry song well maybe these tough times the postpartum depression the pandemic Mm. all this junk is part of that poem that he is still yet unfolding right and that's that's amazing Mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah (laughs) well your album has been out now about three months is that right I think the, the full EP came out in the middle of July, so we're probably pushing about you know six weeks. Yeah. Now that's been out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what yeah. what do you hope as this album falls into the laps? And we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but people are mm-hmm. spinning it on Spotify. What is your hope that happens in people's hearts because of these songs? We shared earlier we're kind of new, but we're old. We've been playing music for a while, and mm-hmm. I love that. You put something out there and you don't know if somebody's going to pick it up five years from now or, you know, five months from now, five days from now. (laughs) We have no idea when people are going to find our music and and get to kind of let these songs kind of be something that speaks to their experience. But I I really hope what communicates and, um, and what translates out of that is just joy joy in the midst of confusion and joy in the midst of questions, you know, because we, when we got mixes back, from these songs early, you know, it was like March, 2020, we were getting these mixes back. We were dancing in our kitchen with our kid and Mm -hmm. just kind of like feeling joy in the middle of just like Krista was saying a minute ago, just in the middle of a lot of upheaval um, in our, in our culture and in our world and our, our personal lives. And, and that like when Krista said, you know, Jesus meets us in our darkness and with his presence, like that's what that looks like most of the time, you know, is, is joy that you can't really pin on um, anything around you other than something within you, (laughs) other than something Jesus Mm -hmm. is doing in your heart and other than something he's doing in the moment that is kind of overcoming, you know, what you might be um, 
faced with. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's, what's exciting for me for people to hear on the other side of these songs is just, you know, wherever they are, just that they're, they'd be met by joy. Every Saturday we send out a newsletter asking folks to pray for the musicians who are making music and, and ministering out there. How specifically can we be praying for you guys in the weeks and the months ahead? Yeah, I mean, definitely for the, the house stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like you said, you said there's kind of a lot of changes and newness coming. And that for me, like some people are like, I can't wait for like all this new stuff. And I'm like... I'm scared. <laughs> like, I don't want everything to change. And, yeah. you know, this is the first time we've ever moved, like, with a little one. So I think I've been, like, stressing about how he's going to adjust to everything. I'm sure he's going to be fine. But I think just praying for just peace, you know, in, in all of the change and Jonathan going to his little school and us moving yeah. to a different part of town, just for it to just be peaceful. Um, I don't mean for it to sound dramatic at all, but you know, getting to travel like we do and getting to kind of like always try to be putting ourselves out there, going on the road, it, it ends up playing into like feeling a lot of vulnerability um, in the sense of just, you know, we put a pack and play in a bathroom at a hotel and that's where our son sleeps sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And you start feeling pretty guilty about it, you know, yeah. but, uh, but man, We've, we've the little place we've been renting in Nashville, we, we named the old Harding Haven. Mm. And it just kind of like when we moved there in 2018, we recognized, even though it was a rental property, it was like, we need a sanctuary, yeah. you know, we need a place um, to kind of anchor down and, and find rest and uh, to find also like a place where God, God meets us and speaks to us and, and inspires songs. So mm. Krista shares the practical side of just the change, but I'll share the the side of, you know, I have no idea how God would want to use this place mm. um, for us to be inspired and uh, for us to um, just be challenged to grow more and to and to kind of walk closer with Him in a way that, that leads to more music and, and more opportunities to encourage and, and, and share with people just what life looks like when you're living a life of faith. I have been very aware lately of the importance of a father in my life. This is partially because my own father is struggling with dementia and some other health issues and most of the time doesn't remember me or any of my family for that matter. But I also saw the recent Kendrick Brothers movie, Show Me the Father, which I highly recommend by the way, it's in theaters right now. And then Brian and Krista come along and share their father stories. And I'm being re-reminded of the importance of fathers, as well as the reminder that God wants to be my personal heavenly father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is writing about how God longs to be in a relationship with us, and he quotes several Old Testament verses that talk about the intimacy God wants to have with us. He ends with a verse out of 2 Samuel, and that verse says, I want to be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Then this past Sunday, we had a guest speaker at our church, Dr. Jay Forseth, and he was talking about clinging to the Father God. He shared the story of coming home from work when his kids were young. They would each sit on one of his feet, wrap their arms and legs around his legs, and cling to him as he stomped around the living room laughing and just enjoying each other's company. This is the picture of God I want to share with you today. 
God, our loving Heavenly Father, stomping around, laughing, and sharing a personal relationship with us, meeting our needs, and giving us good gifts, like the Bible states in Matthew 7.11. I hope that you're able to see God in that light, a loving Father who not only loves being with you, but also would do anything to spend time with you, including sending his son Jesus to take the consequences of your and my sin. And why? Just so that we could spend eternity together. Whether you have a positive father story or a tough one with your earthly dad, know this. God is the perfect father, and he wants to hang out with you. I hope that you'll make time this week to hang out with Father God. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you.